Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the great halls of USA Today, we assemble the newsroom's mightiest nerds, Brett Molina. I'm so sorry for the producer of this podcast. <laughs> Kelly Lawler. I will fight you on it. Brian Truitt. Spoiler town! <laughs> Together, they form The Mothership. Their mission, to harness their collective encyclopedic knowledge of nerdiness in all its forms, to dissect every trailer, plot twist, and game released for the geekiest of fans. The Mothership, saving the universe from bad comic book adaptations every Friday. All aboard the Mothership, the Geek Culture Podcast from the USA Today Network. Thanks so much for joining us, and happy Friday, everybody. Happy Friday. Woohoo! Guess who's back? Guess who's back? It's me! All right, real quick before we dive in, how was, how was your trip? Um, my trip was really good. I got to see some very exciting things. I got to see a little bit of Watchmen um, and his dark materials coming on HBO. Um, I got to see some less exciting things. <laughs> Um, but uh, I got to present an award to my fave, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She gave me a hug, and she told me my introductory speech was very good. And she's the greatest writer ever, so. How Literally. are you still alive at this point? I mean, I died, and this is this is my ghost. Um, but it was really fun. I learned a lot about New Fall TV. Um, got to chat with some people. Got to chat with Lin-Manuel Miranda, um, who I've interviewed twice on the phone, but never before in person. And he was obviously very lovely. Um, and, uh, I got very little sleep and now I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's meet the crew. I'm Brett Molina. I play video games. And what I will miss most about summer is wearing shorts because it's hot as hell outside. I'm Brian Truitt. I watch movies and I will miss sleeping in an hour because school is back next week. Your daughter's going into You're going first back grade. First grade. And she's oh, been oh in summer camp. So oh boy. I got an extra hour of sleep, but that ain't, that ain't happening. Going back to six o'clock wake up calls. Good times. Good yep. times. I'm sure she'll just have so many nerves. It might be a 5 a.m. wake up call. <laughs> Probably. Uh, I'm Kelly Lawler. I watch television. And what I will miss most about summer is the ability to wear sundresses because tights suck. Wait, I want to. That's mine. That's oh, my, okay. That's what I'm going to miss. Yeah, you're right. The sundresses. <laughs> yeah, same. We can all agree on something. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Uh, new episodes of The Mothership drop every Friday, and you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, wherever else you like to listen. Uh, you know what would make our summers really great is if you left a rating or review on the show, because other people who like nerdy pop culture can find our show. And as a bonus, we give you a shout out on the next episode. So try it out. Let us know what you think. It's all upside for everybody. Everybody wins. Good times. Don't forget, along with leaving a review, you can get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at Mothership Pod, or you can send an email to MothershipPod at USAToday.com. On to the main topic. I can't believe I'm saying this because it feels so early, but the pumpkin spice is in the air. We're already starting to approach pumpkin spice season, which <laughs> means summer. I know. Which means summer is almost over. This week, we're looking back at the best and worst pop culture of the last couple months as we get closer to fall, which is scary and insane. Um, 
So real quick, we're trying to establish like when we would have our summer kind of breakdown. So we're starting in May because there's some good stuff for May. And then obviously we'll work up to now. Um, we're also trying to think of a cutoff because we figured maybe it was too early to do a summer preview. But well, Avengers are considered a summer movie and it came this, out like exactly, late, late exactly. April. I was about to say the whole concept of summer is actually being altered by the entertainment industry because they keep pushing the temple movies earlier to try to attract new audiences and get away from other temple movies. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Should we, t- we, we obviously like Endgame. game. We've talked about it a lot. Um, but I really wanted to include may because I wanted to include Lee bag, which we'll talk about, which we'll talk bit. about in a little bit. Absolutely. Um, actually let's talk about it now. Why not? Why not? Um, okay. So we'll start with our best stuff. So we're starting in may and concluding now. So, Kelly, Fleabag, why was it your best of the summer? Um, Fleabag may be my best of all time. Um, it is an incredible show. If you've never heard of it, I'm very sorry. It is an Amazon Prime original. Uh, it's a British show. Its first season was on the streaming service in 2016. And it's the second season arrived in May. It's two six-episode seasons. So you could watch it all in a day if you wanted to. And you might because it sucks you in. And it's... Written, starring, and created and produced by this woman named Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who uh, based it on a one-woman show she wrote that was in London in 2013. And it's about this woman who doesn't have a name, but, you you know, essentially she is Fleabag. She's like a terrible person. Um, and the first season is sort of about her dealing with grief um, after someone in her life dies. And I don't want to say who it is because it's kind of a spoiler. And also, like, dealing with incredibly badly, having a lot of sex messing up her relationships with her family, um, messing up her career and, you know, her sense of self-worth and all that kind of stuff. Season two, which no one knew was coming because uh, Phoebe had said, oh, by the way, she's Phoebe. We're on first name basis now. Obviously, we hugged. Um, (laughs) I would have thought you'd go with Phoebes or something like that. Phoebes. That's two friends. That's two Phoebe from friends. That's true. But um, had said that it was only going to be one season, but then she sort of came up with that idea for a new season. And uh, it is as incredible as the first season was. The second season is still is better and transcendent. And that's not a word that I use lightly, but it's one of the most incredible TV watching experiences of my life. Um, The second season, she Fleabag is doing a little bit better. She's kind of reconnecting with her sister um her she like owns a cafe and that's like doing well and then she meets a priest and she falls in love with a priest a catholic priest um so it becomes very complicated oh and by the way the priest is played by andrew scott aka moriarty from sherlock so um he's excellent as you might guess and um he's kind of a weird as described in the show he's a cool sweary priest he says Sorry, he says all the time. He um, drinks a lot. Um, And so you almost think that he might be the kind of priest who would just, you know, give up and be with a woman. But then there's lots of complications. And um, it's just about, you know, self-actualization and faith and not necessarily in religion, but in yourself and your family and staying alive. There are guinea pigs. There are foxes. there are moments that made my jaw drop um, and writing better than I could ever aspire to. Um, and that's why it's my best. And that's why I, you know, almost cried on a stage in front of people when I got to present her an award. 
It's fine. I held it together, guys. Well, that's good. That's good. That's good. Brian, what's your best of the summer? Uh, it is Booksmart. It's actually the best of the year. Um, that's year. bold. We still have four months to go. I, well, I mean, it's so far. Best so far, Brett. Um, okay, just checking. But it's better than Endgame, honestly. I mean, I, I haven't laughed so much in a theater in like forever. And I feel like into every generation comes the one movie that kind of like redefines a teen film genre and or subgenre or whatever. And this is just funny because, you know, it's about two kind of nerdy girls who've like spent their whole entire high school career just studying, just trying to go to college. And then they haven't partied like everybody else has partied. And then they figure out, Oh, I, we should finally party on our last night. So, you know, there's all, there's all the kind of the raunchiness, but it's smart raunchiness. And, you know, kind of like the, the last night, you know, keggers and, you know, get it, get it all out of your system. But it's so interesting because it, it, it takes so many expectations and, and swerves them, you know, kind of like the jocks and everything. It turns out they're not totally dumb. Um, you know, they're, you know, they, they're smart too. And the girls don't realize that. And they're like, there's a lot of, you know, kind of on there and they spent so much time in their books, they don't realize what's going on around them. And I think that's really kind of smart, especially now when, you know, everybody's so, connected to devices and everything it, it really speaks to us because we don't know who's around us and we don't understand who's around us and it kind of it takes it takes a lot of that time in this and puts it in like these two these two girls who are who are really really funny beanie feldstein and uh caitlin deaver and the mvp of the whole thing is like carrie fisher's daughter billy lord it's like the weirdest thing because like the character's hard to describe because like she's like kind of like she's so weird and she's she's kind of on drugs but not really and she like appears in like every scene weirdly like she follows them around and like she she somehow like goes through time and space no matter where they are she's there and it's really it's uh, Olivia Wilde directed and I I can't wait to see what she does next I think she's doing a horror movie next because you know her first film is so good you know not nobody saw it and I think it's coming out on um on digital HD next week and everybody needs to see it because it's just it's just a fantastic little film and you will laugh your ass off Oh, well, there isn't, you go. And yeah. hasn't it uh, gone back into theaters um, well, in some places? Yeah, there's like it, it's done that like twice, but no one goes to see it. There's no excuse now because it's on digital HD on Tuesday. Get it on iTunes. It's not that expensive. Oh, there you go. Yes. Um, Highest recommendation I can give. So, okay, my pick for the best of the summer. Um, if you haven't seen by my Twitter profile, I've already given it away, but um, my favorite thing of the summer was Stranger Things 3. or. Is- it's not Overwatch. Uh, Over, it's like two and a half years now. I think <laughs> I think I got to move on. Um, Stranger you? Things three, or as Kelly w- would like to refer it, Stranger Things season three, Thank because you. it's still a TV show. So there you go. Shout Either out. or exactly. Um, it launched on July four on Netflix. Um, it follows once again the exploits of the kids from Hawkins, Indiana. There's you know this underground you know upside down threat, the Mind Flayer. Um, is back and he's trying to get after these kids again. Um, I just, you know, the show itself, I, I mean, I obviously I absolutely love everything about the show. I've never been just more fascinated and have enjoyed a cast as much as this group. It's, you know, it's to the point where I'm now rewatching the series again because I just want to pick up on stuff that I've missed. Um, but I, I really like this third season. I think right now it might be my favorite of all of them. I love the fact that, you know, it takes the twists and turns that you ex- that the show has been really good at delivering. But I also like the fact that they really do care about the characters and the relationships. And you see all these 
the way they break these characters up and they have these fun experiences together. You have, you know, Eleven and Mike who are kind of have this budding relationship going on. You also have Max and Lucas. But then you have groups like Steve and Dustin and the Scoop Troop who are trying to solve this other Russian kind of underground conspiracy thing going on. Um, there's just so many different elements to the third season that I've really enjoyed. And I want I know this sounds ridiculous and sounds completely unrealistic, but I kind of want 20 more seasons of it where they're just fighting mind flare and they're raising kids and all this other crazy stuff. But anyway, um, Netflix will probably do it. They probably will. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's very possible. But anyway, um, yeah, so that's my pick. Best thing of the summer. Um, okay, let's get to the bad stuff, the worst stuff. Uh, Brian, what was your worst thing? I don't know. Pick a sequel. So Spider-Man wasn't terrible. Spider-Man was pretty good. John Wick 3 is one of the best, better movies of the year. But goddamn, everything else sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm looking at you, Godzilla. I'm looking at you, Men in Black. I'm looking at you, X-Men. Ho- honestly, Hobbs and Shaw, I'm looking at you, too. Because you're not very good. Don't you mean testosterone, the movie? Well, I mean, it's just like, uh, we, we went into this. but but Oh, I missed this episode. Yeah, you did I? miss this episode. Um, I think you were hugging somebody. So, but we, <laughs> you know, but, you know, Fast and Furious is so like, it's, it's, it's fun testosterone. It's like, it's like G.I. Joe, like on steroid testosterone. But this is just kind of like lame 007 kind of stuff. And it's just like, eh. disappointed. I'm sorry to hear that. I was surprised live action and Disney remakes didn't make your worst list. No, I actually, I kind of liked Aladdin. The Lion King was just, I mean, here's the thing. So many people like on Lion King, but it's just like, if you like the first Lion King, there's no reason not to like this one because it's the same story. So and that's why like a lot of people are like, mm, it sucks. And I'm like, well, it's the same movie. <laughs> If you didn't like the first one, you don't like this one, you know? Well, I think that it seemed like the big complaint was it was too National Geographic. I saw that. Uh, someone I thought I said that on Twitter. It was kind of like it was too National Geographic and not. Well, it I is. Don't know. It is. But it's just like, you know, I think, you know, Disney's going to do whatever it wants to do. It doesn't give a shit about what you think. It's going to do whatever it wants to do. And it has the technology to do it. So in effect, you know, it's it may be worth to see if you can like actually make you know a nature documentary Lion King movie. You know, it's it's a it's a fun two hundred million dollar experiment, but you know it is what it is. But it's like it it's honestly just the first movie with like you know resung songs and Beyonce with it. So it's fine. It is what it is, and it's fine. You know, I think you know if some hopefully if kids saw it, then they go back and watch the original movie, which is honestly way better it's much more charming but you know it is what it is and aladdin at least kind of like added some things like princess jasmine toned down some like weird weird stuff that just doesn't kind of work in culture anymore and will smith's not he's not robin williams but he's not terrible either you know it's will smith yeah so it's fine that's fine too you know other than in game disney really rock my socks off but you know it's fine side lion king story um, there is an actual nature documentary, not on National Geographic, but on Discovery Channel that's airing right now, Sundays, um, called Serengeti, narrated by Lupita Nyong'o. It's very good. And it's one of the ones where there isn't a lot of blood there. I mean, there, there you know, there is predators and prey, but it's not done. That's going to make you really depressed and sad. And I did say I was more interested in that than Lion King. And a Discovery Channel publicist was very happy that I said that so they could advertise that. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> I was like, freebie, go ahead and take it. Okay, back to the stuff that sucks. Back to the um, stuff that sucks. Kelly, what sucked for you this summer? 
I am like so sad to say it because it made my best list a very high point of my best list in 2017, but Big Little Lies season two. Um, Not just because the finale was so terrible, but also because it had such promise. And also, I feel like personally offended because they sent me three good episodes in which to review and then it fell off almost immediately afterwards. And so, you know, they made me look dumb for saying that it was good when it ended up being a really bad season. So um, it was just it was just about my relationship to come back at all. And the early episodes were like, I was like, okay, it's interesting to come back because what they're doing here is they're examining the after effects of trauma. So like all of the women at the end of season one, it's not really spoiling anyone anymore. The woman played by Zoe Kravitz, um, Bonnie pushes Alexander Skarsgård's character, who is a rapist and domestic abuser, down a flight of stairs to prevent him from essentially beating the crap out of Nicole Kidman's character. And um, they all lie and say that he fell. But it's been big trauma. They've all gone through it. They're all trying to deal with it. They're all trying. It's affecting their relationships, their jobs, their kids. Um, and that's what they do for the first three episodes, which is really interesting. But then they shoehorn Meryl Streep in as Alexandra Skarsgård's mother. And then the last four episodes are this weird court custody battle over Nicole Kidman's kids. Um, and a bunch of random other storylines that no one really cares about. I was like, the whole appeal of the show is the really great actresses and like the great characters and emotions that they were able to portray. And in the first season, this look at like the the inner lives of women and the traumas and abuses that they go through and you never know. So a lot of it was like Nicole Kidman's character was rich. She was gorgeous. She had two beautiful kids. She had a beautiful husband, um, but he was abusing her terribly and nobody knew. And that is sort of the whole, the whole arc of the first season. And in this season, it's like, oh, but let's just have a courtroom scene, you know, where Meryl Streep gets cross-examined and she wears silly glasses and has funny meme one-liners. So it was just really disappointing. And then at the end, they all like turn themselves in thematically I get what they were trying to do was that they were like taking responsibility except that like the whole point is that they were justified in their actions because he was horrible and also they don't even take like a lawyer in like I know that that would have ruined the little symbolism of the six of them walking into the police station at the very end shot but like one of them is a lawyer you'd think she would think hmm maybe we should get a defense lawyer over here at least one maybe six because there are six of us but whatever or five there are five of them Okay. Yeah, well, I know. I was going to say, wow. I'm, I'm, I need but I didn't watch it Yeah. <laughs> Supremely not worth your time, which is a bummer. It was really not worth however much, like, per hour one has to spend to get those actresses on a stage together. Yeah, that's that's really unfortunate. Speaking of things that are a supreme waste of time. Well, I know where you're going, and I felt the same way. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pick my worst of the summer, which was Dark Phoenix. Um, yep. Largely because they already had a low bar to set in terms of expectation. I don't think anybody really thought this was going to be the greatest movie. It had the same writer from X-Men The Last Stand, which was terrible and had the really god-awful juggernaut costume. Um, but no, they really went way below the bar. It was terrible. It was I. It was actually super disappointing, too, as an X-Men fan, because you figured maybe they would go out on a little bit of a decent note, and it sucked. And... Probably the only redeeming thing about it was Sophie Turner as Jean Grey, who gave a really fantastic performance, playing through all the emotions of, you know, anger and just kind of working through having, you know, this kind of celestial entity she's dealing with. Um, but just everything about it, everything else about it was terrible. Um, 
you know, some of the acting was just awful. Of uh, the actor who played Beast, and I'm blanking on his name right now. I honestly don't want to remember Nicholas it. Holt. Nicholas Holt. We're calling you out. Yeah. I, man, just some of the moments where it was like he's trying to be serious, and I just, it looked ridiculous. And then there were just the, the villain, everything, just everything about it was awful. I just want to scrub it from my brain. I've never been more happy for like corporate mergers because I know it's bad for like consolidation in media, but. Get this out of Fox's hands forever, please. Just stop. I need, I'm just thankful that we have, MC, it's in MCU and hopefully they do something better with it because this is just an awful way to finish it. But So I didn't ever end up seeing it, but I did watch the clip of Jennifer Lawrence saying that we should call it the ex-women. And I feel like my soul left my body out of embarrassment watching that clip. That it was just one of the worst things I've ever seen. And it was only 30 seconds from the movie. And it wasn't even a top five, like worst things in that movie. No, there either. was like, yeah, there was 50 million things. I, I'm Here's what I'm disappointed by. Yeah. Cause I talked to Simon Kinberg and he know, and he told me he knows that the last stand sucked. Yeah. And he wanted to like make up for it. And then this happened. Again, not as bad as Last Stand, honestly. Last Stand is like one of the worst superhero movies of all time. Oh, no, I'd, I'd argue it's worse. I'd argue it's probably oh, worse. I, no, well, I mean, no, your expectations were higher. Last Stand's terrible. That's At least bad. we had Sophie Turner in this one. Yeah. And we had Dazzler for like, you know, a hot minute. But it just didn't do anything. It just, it just you know, it just ends. The climactic action scene, you know, of the, like this cosmic threat is on a train. You know, just a lot. It's just, it's just so much mediocrity. Like in two hours, it's just it, it's mind. I mean, it's not anything like the Fantastic Four, which is like you know maybe the worst superhero <laughs> movie in the entire universe of history and everything. For us too, I think the fact is that you know the Dark Phoenix saga is like probably the best comic book storyline ever, and like you can't do it. It's like this is twice they can't they can't get it right. Oh, this! I'm glad you mentioned Dazzler because this got to a very small point that I really was really annoying me, which is it's 2019 and Dazzler looks like 1970s Farrah Fawcett with a disco jumpsuit and everything else. And I'm like, I mean, there's maker grunge, you know, if you don't want to make your disco queen, at least hit the era or or take from from the new comic book Dazzler, who's kind of like punky, but still kind of like like make it eh. fit the time period. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That was fan service, and people can like go on about all the fan service and in game all they want, but but that is that is like weirdly fan servicey to put her in like the seventies like disco garb, in the nineties when disco was like the farthest thing from culture that there could be. Oh, let's stop talking about this, please. In the uh, yeah, disco died. Dazzler killed it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, okay, let's talk about. Other stuff we loved from the summer. Kelly, go. What were some of the other things you really liked about the summer? So I really liked Stranger Things season three, um, as Brett talked about earlier, for many of the same reasons he did, but especially for uh, Sadie Sink as Max. That was, I think, my favorite part. Um, and I also really wanted to bring up Good Omens, which I don't think we really got to talk about on this podcast, um, but is based on one of my favorite books of all time. is an Amazon series, a miniseries starring David Tennant and Michael Sheen. Um, and it's based on a book written by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. And I've talked much, a lot about how much I love Terry Pratchett. Um, and it's about the end of the world. Um, it's, it's an angel played by Michael Sheen and a demon played by Tenet, um, who are both sort of informed by their superiors. You know, like John Hamm is uh, Michael Sheen's boss, um, the angel Gabriel. He wears a nice, a nice white suit um, that, you know, the end of the world is coming and they got to do their stuff. but 
Michael Sheen and David Tennant really like it on Earth and they don't really want the world to end or to do a final battle. So Antichrist gets lost. There's like a lot of, you know, hilarity. The four horsemen now ride motorcycles um, and pestilence has been replaced by pollution because, you know, pestilence gave up after Jonas Salk and pollution just got really excited. And it's just it's dark. It's funny. And I love the book so much. And it's a really interesting tone. You know, it's very hard needle to thread because it's not quite as funny as other Terry Pratchett novels. It's also not quite as horror as other Neil Gaiman novels. It's like obviously very much a collaboration between them. And they got the tone really well. And it obviously helped that Neil Gaiman was very involved. And it had a really great cast. And what I thought was really funny was that there were some religious groups who were boycotting it or like against it, but they like didn't know that it was on Amazon. They were like, oh, yeah, this new Netflix show. Because, like, everything's Netflix. Yeah, basically, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that was a really good one if you didn't get a chance to see it. And also something that came out just uh, two weeks ago, I believe. I don't know. Time doesn't make any sense to me anymore. I'm just on planes and in Los Angeles. Um, a new HBO sketch comedy show came out called A Black Lady Sketch Show, which uh, is created by Robin Thede, who, like, very briefly had a late night show on BET. And she's worked on a lot of stuff that you'd like, including the... R.I.P. The Nightly Show without Larry Wilmore. So it's created by her and it's produced by Issa Rae of Insecure. And it's like exactly what it sounds like. It is a sketch comedy show starring mostly black women and directed by and written by. Um, And it's so funny. (laughs) It's like exactly what I need in August. You know what I mean? It is like it is a good combination of smart and dumb funny. It is short. It's only six episodes. uh, And they went with sort of a since it's not super long and it's on HBO, they went with this through line of like the four main actresses playing like a version of themselves during the apocalypse. And there, there's clips from that through every episode, which is very funny. They have this great sketch with Ashley Nicole Black, who is a comedian who was a writer on Full Frontal with Samantha B. So had been some of her like on camera sketches. And she plays a CIA operative who is so good because she's so average and forgettable looking. So no one ever sees her because they're looking at the more attractive women in the room. Um, And it's just like, it's just so funny. Um, And then her nemesis is Nicole Byer from Nailed It because she is also average and forgettable looking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So highly recommend all three of those. Brian, what are you picking? Your uh, other summer stuff that you well, I'll do Stranger Things because everybody. uh, I'm going to jump on the bandwagon, but just for Steve Harrington, God love that guy. Everything he does is magic. That whole subplot with him and Dustin and like breaking into the Russian installation under the mall. I mean, that's just so great. And like, if nothing else, this season it brought back Neverending Story, and God bless him for that. There's like now there's like the Neverending Story, Neverending Story challenge. So thank you for giving that to the kids. The other thing I loved, um, obviously Madden 20. Madden 20. Loved Madden 20. Same. Everything Madden. Everything coming up Madden. And then, but also the boys, um, the Amazon awesome. show um, uh, that based on the, on the ridiculously violent comic book that if you just, if you just put what's on the page on the, on the TV show, never would have happened. But, and it's about superheroes are kind of like the biggest dicks of all time. And, you know, the boys are, it's kind of like black ops kind of government squad um, of like normal folks who who have to kind of like take them down and like and keep them in line. And, uh, and it's just so I mean, it's like it's like no superhero show should be this well acted. This and Doom Patrol is just like has like the best acting on it. It's, just, it's amazing. So Carl Urban's great. 
Jack Quaid, who's kind of like the, the Dennis Quaid, Mike Ryanson, who's kind of like the, the kid of the summer. He's great. Anthony Starr, who, um, who I didn't even realize was like the guy from Banshee. He's mm. fantastic. Yeah. Kind of the MVP, though, was Chase Crawford. Where's he been? Oh, my God. They just sent me. He's playing a character in The Boys called The Deep, who's the like Deep. kind of an Aquaman. Aquaman. Yeah. yeah. And he's also like a sex symbol. They sent me a The Deep calendar today. It was it was quickly snatched up. I will not name whoever put it at their desk. But it's like, who knew? Who, like, I, I watched Gossip Girl. Who knew he had this thing in him? I and mean, it's just like, he's fantastic. And there's like one scene, if if nothing else, watch this show for one thing, where the deep, like, tries to break a dolphin out of, like, an aquarium to get him to, like, the sea. Because he talks to fish, of course. Fantastic. It's one of the greatest scenes, like, of, of this year. It's just great. So watch it, watch it overall. But you, you will know when you see that scene that like I made a yeah. good decision. And also, like I was expecting it to be so, so hyper violent, but it's honestly not even more violent than other things. No, they just there are moments of violence that are like weirdly unique and more effective because I think they restrain themselves. Like there's a moment, and it happens very early on, so it's not really a spoiler. Where a the Flash guy, the guy who's the Flash who runs really fast, uh, runs through a woman. <laughs> Yeah, and explodes her. And explodes yeah. her. Um, and it's horrifying, but also like not nearly as disgusting or like cringy as half of what's on The Walking Dead. So um, I was really impressed with them for that. And also, if you're cynical about social media, great show for you to watch. <laughs> and the comic book, like when she explodes, you see her explode. I mean, there's blood, blood, organs, like it's a cornucopia of like messiness. <laughs> And like in that airborne, yeah. And in the show, I mean, there's there's blood on the street, but yet you just all you see is like two kind of like severed hands. I'm picturing the sizzle reel for the boys. Brian Truitt says a cornucopia of messiness. <laughs> oh, messiness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a freebie for you. It takes the core of what makes that comic book great and then expands on it. And like it doesn't need all the hyper violence to make its point. And it also... You know, you have the boys, then you have the seven. The seven are like kind of the Justice League. And they're the ones who get the movies, the comic books. They're the biggest jerks, but everybody loves them anyway. But but the comic book, it's mostly from the eyes of of the boys who have kind of deal with them and all these other super team, like the X-Men kind of super team, like the weird Animal House kid super team. Um, but what the show does interesting too is it takes the boys, but on on equal equal footing in terms of like character development and everything. But you get to know a lot more about kind of like the jerks too and you don't i mean you don't feel for him or anything although the deep feel for him because he's kind of cool um but it's just like it's a more well-developed story and cast of characters and i mean great jerks are great to watch when they're done right yeah um okay let me go real quick to my uh other things i like from the summer i still liked endgame i thought it was really good part of the reason too i liked it is we the... like it right <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. It's just, i feel like i feel like it's yeah. just like oh, endgame, yay! i mean we we yeah. said it like like three times at this point so the other small reason I liked Endgame, too, is because I actually, this was the year I introduced my daughter to all the Marvel movies, so she got to see Endgame in theater, so it was cool. kind of fun getting that experience. Um, the other thing I liked, too, is Madden 20, which I thought was really fun. Yeah! Um, yeah, Madden 20 was great. They have this mode called um, a Face of the Franchise, where it's basically, you create a player, and you can take him through college, and he tries to get drafted as an NFL quarterback, and so you're kind of taking him through that whole thing. So it was really fun. I really like it. And um, I haven't even played that mode yet. It's very good. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, the game is so good. You don't even get to like some of the good stuff. Well, you do the ultimate team. Yeah, stuff. I do. I do. Yeah, you're obsessed. I am. So, yeah. 
But no, it's really good. I've got my Bengals getting ready to play in the Super Bowl. So yay me. <laughs> um, okay. And it Why would never the... happen in real life. Why you, I'm, no, I, I'm surprised you didn't take the Redskins because that would that would really be like unrealistic. Yeah, well, yeah in more ways than one. <laughs> um, well, part of it, too, is because you whichever team drafts you is who drafts you. So I got, uh, okay. yeah. so sorry, Andy Dalton, but oh, I got yeah. the job done. So anyway, um, so let's talk about end of summer, early fall stuff that we're really excited to check out. Uh, Kelly, I'll start with you. What are you really looking forward to? Um, there are two things that are coming out in late August that I think Brian and Brett and all of our listeners will really like. The first is the Dark Crystal prequel on Netflix, which is uh, an 80s Jim Henson classic. The Dark Crystal was about about the planet Thra, where there's sort of a ruling race and then of evil vulture and crow looking aliens. And then there are like really good ones. And then there's, you know, a, a chosen one, a gelf, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. And, you know, the the world is saved at the end. So the the prequel series is like during the, the rule of the evil vulture looking guys. Um, and it's really cool. And it's fun to return to that world. It's supplemented with CGI. Um, it's just super nerdy and has like the most amazing voice cast ever. Like it has like 20 major actors. The only two I can remember right now are Mark Hamill and Sigourney Weaver, but they're like essentially throwaways. Like the, the cast is really big and really great. And another thing that I think especially Mr. Brett Molina will like is this new HBO show called Righteous Gemstones. Um, it's a Danny McBride show. And it's about a uh, mega church family whose last name is the Gemstones led by John Goodman. As the megachurch pastor and then Danny McBride, Adam Devine, and a woman comedian that you might not have heard of are his kids. Um, and they have, you know, three private planes, the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, <laughs> they, uh, you know, they all live in a big compound together. They um, do their megachurch every Sunday and they're famous and they're incredibly rich. And, um, you know, it's... Uh, really interesting because it's not just like if you're religious, I don't think you'd hate it. It's not like critical of like the act of being religious. It's critical of being hypocrites and being exploitative and like, you know, using people and using religion for personal gain. Because that's not realistic at all. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah. well, no, it was very interesting. And one of the things, I, so I've only seen the first one and I really liked it and I just have so much to watch. I haven't gotten back to it yet. But one of the things I love the most was hearing at TCA, actually, Danny McBride talk about putting this show together. And I'm not a huge fan of some of his other stuff. I liked Eastbound and Down okay, but I really didn't like Vice Principals, um, his two other HBO series. But just hearing him talk about how he writes and what he hopes for and how he put his cast together was like, it was incredible. I was like, this guy is one of the most sensitive, thoughtful artists I've ever heard from. And I sit there and listen to people talk about how important their scripts are and how amazing the writing process is all the time. and you know, he he is religious and he like wanted to critique people who are like messing with his faith. Um, and he's from the South. So like he yeah. probably like grew yeah. up with like, you know, the the, the Bakers and the Falwells and, mm -hmm. all, and the, you know, all them. Um, And so I uh, I really enjoyed it. And it was so surprising because I didn't really know what to expect because um, it co totally could have gone either way for me from what I know about Dan McBride's HBO shows specifically. So highly recommend. Um Always love seeing D Adam Devine also. Um, so it'll be really fun. And that's coming out on the 18th. So it's pretty soon. Between this and The Watchmen, I'm going to have to finally just go all in on HBO because it's something I haven't really subscribed to. So I, this might be the moment. Um, Brian, what are your picks? Um, let's go with It Chapter 2, which <laughs> is September 6th. And it's going to up Kelly and it's going to 
of the entire country because so many people are going to go see this movie. And it's going to be kind of scary. Kind of. Yeah, kind of. The The first one was so good because, you know, obviously, the, you know, the Pennywise the clowns all kind of like messed up and everything. But you really like love the kids. Like they're better than Stranger Things kids, honestly, because, you know, kind of they have a lot of development. They're, you know, they, they cover all the archetypes, but they're, you know, you really care about them. The, all the adults in Derry are kind of kind of horrible because, of, you know, kind of like the curse and everything. And, you know, you want to see him take care of the clown. Now it's like 27 years later and you've got like an all-star crew of like adults who have to come back down to Derry and kind of take care of him. And it just looks so good. There was one scene they, they showed at, at Comic-Con. They haven't showed any of it. And I, don't know, I probably won't. Well, I'll talk about it anyway. Um, they haven't showed it anything. But there's like this one scene where there's a severed head. And then, like, spider legs start coming out of the head. And, like, and then they uh, it props it up. And then, like, the eyes open. And it just, like, it starts scurrying. And it's, like, it is the creepiest friggin' thing ever. And, like, you're thinking, okay, it's going to be, like, it's, like, two hours and 45 minutes of that. It's, like, it's going to mess so many people up. I'll tell you what. I don't want to, just from the trailer, I don't want to go into any kind of Hall of Mirrors ever. Ever oh, in yeah. my lifetime. There's <laughs> well, no, no and they way. they that entire scene. At Comic Con, like it is, it is no. Crazy. I was like, it is uh-uh, so crazy, not happening, not happening. And so there's that. Um, and then I think, I think Joker. I I don't know what that is going to even be. Who knows? Who friggin' knows? I feel like it's either going to be like fantastic or like what did you do? Yeah, that was. I agree with Kelly. Bold, bold strategy. Yeah. Although there are some train wrecks that I don't want to see, but if that's a train wreck, <laughs> I feel like I still want to see it. I don't know. I don't, you see, I don't think it's going to be a train wreck. I think it's just it's it's going to be it's going to be polarizing because I think people are going to be like, well, why isn't it like, you know, he's pleasure whenever, you know, because I, I don't think people understand that it's not the comic book. I mean, it, it it's kind of like that character, but it's, you know, and like Thomas Wayne's in it and, you know, there's an Arkham and, and you know, it's Gotham City and everything. And who knows? There might be Batman. Who you know? I, I you know there. But Bruce Wayne's probably still a kid at this point. But it's not a superhero tale. It's taking a character like the Joker and seeing how how does that person get made? You know, what does the origin of that guy look like? So I mean, it's definitely like like a Watchmen type deconstruction of this movie genre. We need that kind of thing. I you know, Dark Phoenix. If whatever else, I think it proved that like. You know, we still need like deconstructing thing to like, you know, take something down and like look at the parts and and why why we love certain things. I think this, though, gets to a bigger question with the Joker is part of his mystique is we don't really care or want to know how he was made. He just is who he is. And part of his mystery is not knowing how he was made. And some men just want to watch the world burn. Exactly. And part of me thinks that does this kind of kill his mystique a little bit trying to do this? No, because I, it's almost like kind of an Elseworlds alternate universe kind of thing where he's not the Joker. He is kind of a Joker type character. Uh, who knows if he's ever like somebody calls him the Joker or something. But I think it's it's more of it's not it's not about the name and like the the character on the comic book page It is more about kind of like what how does somebody get to the point of like of pure mayhem? How does you know what, what do you what does somebody have to you know? What do you have to endure? What is that person's life looks like that creates that? And I think that that's an interesting character study. It's 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 less to do about kind of like, you know, like Heath Ledger's character or Jack Nicholson's character or even Jared Leto's character. You know, those are kind of like they exist in these superhero worlds, whereas this is just like this this guy exists in like the Scorsese 
you know, gangland seventies, New York, you know, it's, it's a, di- it's a different thing. Mm-hmm. Ray Liotta is just going to pop out in any moment. <laughs> I picture him popping out and doing that laugh from Goodfellas, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That was, that was, that was actually have, such a good impression. I of haven't it. even seen Goodfellas wish, in like, what, 20 years? <laughs> that was really good. I, I wish I was going we more had, for the face than anything. I, a face on a podcast, of course. I oh. wish we had video of this because he kind of threw his hands up too <laughs> oh as he did the laugh. So and, and it really gave the full effect. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we. We really need I to go mean, to video Oscar here. winning turn right here. <laughs> it totally was. That's a one-off. Oh, that was great. Um, okay, real quick, my two picks for end of summer, early fall. This, these are more fall than anything, really. So first, I'll start with The Good Place, which fourth and, I think, final season? Final season. Oh, man. Uh, the end of September, that comes out. So I'm really excited for that and see how this whole story ends. It's been wonderful, wonderful TV series. One of, one of my favorites up there are Stranger Things. And then uh, one video game I'm really excited about is Borderlands 3, which is out mid-September, I believe. And it's interesting because it's been a pioneer in games. Like, you see the games like Destiny and stuff like that. I feel like Borderlands kind of started all that with, like, the, you know, treasure hunting and going for loot and exploring all these different cool worlds and stuff like that. I feel like it's kind of been one of the pioneers of all that stuff. So I'm really interested to see what they do here. It's been, like, a few years since we've had a Borderlands game. So be really excited. Um, but yeah, listeners, your turn. What's your favorite uh, movie, TV show, book, video game, anything that you're excited about this summer? Uh, let's talk about it on Twitter. You can find us at Mothership Pod, or you can tweet at us individually. I'm at BrettMillian23. I'm at Brian Druitt. And I'm at KLALS, K-L-A-W-L-S. Don't forget, you can email us too. We're at MothershipPod at USAToday.com. That'll do it this week. Thanks so much for listening. Special thanks to our pilots slash producers of The Mothership this week, Shannon Green and Natalie Boyd. If you like the podcast and don't want to miss an episode moving forward, you can subscribe to The Mothership for free on Apple Podcasts. While you're there, leave us a rating or review. We love the feedback. It helps other people find the show, and we shout you out in the next episode. If Apple Podcasts isn't your jam, you can also find us on SoundCloud or Stitcher or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. That'll do it. Until next week, nerds out. Later. Bye.